This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. What is Chalkboard Chat? It's an MPB education podcast. It's a variety show providing information and resources for teachers, students, parents, guardians, and everyday people on various topics. It's learning something new with every publication. Chalkboard Chat. Find the podcast or listen from chalkboardchat.mpbonline.org. Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? You know, since wintertime is January, and a lot of folks, every time we get a little warm spell, see some daffodils pop up, Think people are thinking about gardening. Well, I got news for y'all folks. It ain't spring yet. We still got a long time before all that, but there's plenty of stuff to do. There's plenty of stuff to talk about. And here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting, we're opening up the doors at this garden party we call the Gestalt Garden. My wonderful host, Java Chapman. Felder, I appreciate you bringing this to the light this morning, man. Oh, man, man. I appreciate it. You know, that's been what, you know, that was one of my early anthems. You know, let my freak flag fly. You know, it's one of the reasons why I had cut my hair for a long time because I'm of that generation where we wanted to express our individuality. Whether you want to prune your crepe myrtles or let your hair grow long, it's all good, man. I appreciate you playing that job. How you doing, guys? Man, I'm hanging in there, man. I was listening. I was um, listening to your billboard, you know, before the news break, and it was uh-huh. kind of funny that you kept mentioning we're in the middle of winter, but we have we yeah. have so many seventy degree days here in Mississippi. I sometimes I forget I it is actually winter. <laughs> I know. You know, somebody on uh, Mississippi Gardening Facebook the other day said, "I just feel like planting stuff," and I'm thinking, you know, our average last frost, our average last in Mississippi is the latter part of March, which means half the time it happens after that. So, uh, yeah, people, we get the juices going, man. We want to get out and kick our shoes off and plant tomatoes and stuff. But, we got, you know, this is the, the we're only halfway through winter. <laughs> oh, well, man. Anyway, uh, you know, that, that David Crosby thing, uh, you know, he was, he, he represented, uh, I guess, the best and the worst of that early rock generation and all the debauchery and stuff like that. But, you know, what, what wonderful music those guys came out. Cause he still nasty. You know, he was with the birds. You know, they made Turn, 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 which is based on almost straight out of the Bible about, you know, everything, there's a season. And uh, so I guess it's appropriate. You know, we, we do have really nice warm weather right now, but this is not the season for planting summer stuff. But, Hey, I wanted to ask you. I forgot to ask you last week. You you, you said you and Crystal went to Washington D.C. Uh, on a, on a holiday, and you went to the museum and all. Did you see um, uh, Jonas Adams while you were there? Oh man, come on! You know I had to. Yeah, we I, I <laughs> we linked up. <laughs> I know. I mean, you know, Jonas. He he was a former producer of mine. I think he introduced you to MPB, right? Yeah, he did. I tell man, I tell everybody this all the time. I follow in Jonas Adams footsteps when it comes to uh uh radio we've been i like he would get to a radio station first even starting way back at college uh wjsu at jackson state university he was there Uh first then i came we went to another radio station i came next he went to another one i came next he came to mpb and then i came next (laughs) so well you know i you know on one hand you know i wish you you great success in your career and all like that but i hope you're not following to washington anytime soon because man i mean you're 
you are one of the reasons why the Gestalt Gardener is the most downloaded podcast produced in Mississippi, and you're the producer. Oh, well, you know, I tell you this all the time, though, Felder, uh, the Gestalt Gardener is the number one show where the most wide array of people come up and say, oh, you on the show <laughs> with Felder. I'm like, you listen to us? This <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I have young people come up and say, man, I listen to the, you all. I'm thinking, you need to get a life. You're too young to be into gardening. <laughs> but anyway, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. I know the weather's fantastic right now, but we got some hard freezes ahead of us, and I want to kind of talk about that with folks, you know, whether you want to talk about, uh, you know, we, there's a lot of green poking up out there, even some early flowers, uh, Java, uh, you know, that normally bloom this time of year. Um, but there's still a lot of damage left over from the hard, sudden early freeze we had last month. And I just want to remind folks uh, from a mental uh, and emotional, I guess even a social health point of view, uh, we all have these problems. So nobody's judging us on whether we prune early or neaten up or not. Uh, if you want to neat stuff up, go for it. Uh, and do regular, normal winter pruning of stuff like roses and figs and hydrangeas and, you know, things you normally prune in the wintertime. Better to do this in February, but, you know, your fruit trees and things like that. Uh, but if you want to follow what the experts recommend, I'm talking about me, Gary Bachman, all, all the all the, the home garden experts around here, we say wait on pruning spring blooming stuff your azaleas let's wait till after things really green up in the spring to decide how much to cut if you want to if you want to cut cut now horticulture is on your side but uh main thing is hold your head up add a really nice little wreath to the door maybe put some ribbons on a tree trunk or or better yet go to a garden center get two or three nice sized pots pretty pots Fill it with potting soil and put some winter flowers out there, pansies, violas, snapdragons, kale. Garden centers have got a lot of stuff like that, and we've got a good two or three months to enjoy those. It'll keep you busy not planting summer stuff too early. So just take your time. Relax. Nobody's judging you, but there's a lot of stuff popping up out there. So um, anyway, it's a this is a live program. Uh, I'm broadcasting from England. Uh, I'll be home in uh, oh, three, three weeks or so. Then wandering around, going to looking at gardens, looking at winter stuff, getting ideas on how to make my Mississippi garden look better in the dead of winter. And I've got some good ideas. Uh, on the other hand, there's a lot of stuff I see here that everybody wants to grow in Mississippi, Louisiana, Tennessee, Alabama, Arkansas that really doesn't want to be in the Gulf South. I'm thinking um, uh, snowdrops. Uh, Java, I sent you a picture to see with our podcast. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it yet. Yeah, the snow, and then, of course, it's uh, it's my favorite gnome. So <laughs> I, got, I got a little gnome there. But he, I got him positioned around this little bulb called snowdrops. And a lot of people say, oh, I grow snowdrops. No, you don't. No, you don't. Not unless you live in the, you know, uh, other than the deep south, snowdrops are very similar to a plant we grow called snowflake. Uh, and the difference is not that big a deal. Snowdrops, when they before they open, they look like little white teardrops. And when they open up, they have like these little wings that stick out. And the tiny little cups on the inside have got little miniature upside-down green hearts on them. That's a snowdrop. It needs to be in a longer, cooler climate. A lot of people plant snowdrops here. Very few people succeed. But on the other hand, there's a plant that's already blooming out there that's called snowflake. It's got little white bells, and around the edges of it, it's got little green dots. Everybody grows this. This is one of the most common naturalized 
winter blooming bulbs we have, snowflakes. A lot of people call them snowdrops. I don't care. The main thing is we have plants that love this kind of weather, that just love it. And a matter of fact, we're going to feature one uh, after our, our, our tune. But main thing right now, I'm in the snow. we got snowdrop blooming. You're in the almost steamy deep south. Uh, the roses are starting to bud out. Hydrangeas got buds on. we got daffodils popping up. Uh, the Japanese, the pink magnolias are blooming. You know, there's all sorts of stuff, camellias that we can enjoy in the middle of the winter. And that's what we're going to celebrate today. So, well, uh, let, let me know when, when we get some calls. Got the phone lines wide open, folks. You want to call to talk about stickers in the lawn or making a new raised bed or what's a good potting soil or what to do about potted plants that may be dropping the leaves indoors. You know, these kind of things. I would like to mention a couple of things that are coming up. Um, I don't have anything on my calendar for the next couple of three weeks, um, but I know the Gulf Coast Camellia Society is going to have two big shows, one in Mississippi, one in, in Mobile. Uh, that's going to be later next month, and we'll talk about that. The Camellia, the Gulf Coast Camellia Society, incredible shows. And I'm thinking if you don't have a camellia in your yard, it just ain't right. Um, but also on the 25th, in uh, just about a month from now, I'm going to be giving my free annual home fruit growing seminars at a garden center in Jackson called Hutto's. we got plenty of time to talk about it, uh, but I had written a book years ago about growing fruits in Mississippi. I mean, I was raised with these. I was raised with jujubes and kumquats and, and uh, mayhaws and pawpaws and pecans and peaches and plums and uh, pears, all that kind of stuff. And if you're interested in that, in your home landscape, there's a few things that you really need to know that they're not going to tell you if you just go to a generic place and buy fruit plants. First of all, not all fruits grow here. Only a, you know, we have a couple of dozen different kind of fruit plants that do well in gardens, but not all of the ones do well. And on, top, and on top of that, some varieties of these type of fruit do better or worse than others. You can plant apple trees all year long, but only certain varieties will produce apples in central, north, or south Mississippi, just based on how much cold they get in the wintertime. Uh, also, there's disease resistance uh, and pruning. So if you're interested in this sort of thing, got this seminar coming up in a month at, at Hutto's in Jackson. But also, you can email me, and I've got a little simple publication. It's free. I can email it to you on the best fruit varieties and types for Mississippi. Go to fellrushing.blog, B-L-O-G, fellrushing.blog, and click on the thing that says email me, and I'll send you something on the best types and varieties and how to care for fruits from Mississippi landscapes. Hey, let's slide over to, to Florence and see what Sandra is up to. Sandra, appreciate you calling this morning. What's up? Thank you. Um, my camellias got killed during the during the freeze. Yeah, the plants um, too or just the flowers? Just the flowers, I guess. I mean, yeah. they're usually opening by this time, I think, yeah. and uh, yeah. none of them are opening, so I suppose they all got frostbitten. Yeah, lots, lots of folks did, and it happened a couple of years ago, too. Oh, really? So, well, mm-hmm. mine opened. Mine opened, and they are just covered in buds and now they're yeah. not going to open. I'm just depressed. Well, you know, at the same time, keep in mind, you know, I, you know, this this happened to my, you know, somebody sent me pictures of my yard, and it looks like a brown bomb went off in it. My my mm-hmm. my, uh, my Confederate jasmine 
which was just massive. It covered a huge arbor, completely gone. You know, oh, and it no. is depre- it, it is depressing. But you know, this is this is sort of a gamble that we do when we when we when we plant things that aren't from around here. So one of the advantages of native plants is they didn't get slowed down. But camellias and azaleas, they're from they're from Asia, and they can take cold weather, but they can't take that sudden hard cold like they got last year. The the good news is it's just flowers. I bet you got some daffodils coming up out there to to cheer you back up. I bet you got some daffodils somewhere that are going to cheer you back up. They're coming up, but they they haven't bloomed yet. Yeah, but the, but but there's still hope out there though. You know, so it, it, gardening is a gamble, and when it comes mm-hmm. to camellias and a few other plants like blue, my blueberries. You know, I may not get any blueberries this year. What are we going to do in, in summertime without figs and blueberries? So, anyway, oh all, all, all we can do is just, you know, just hold hands and, you know, and hope for <laughs> better next year. But they'll be. And, and I, I bet you do get a few flowers anyway. I bet you get a few. Oh, I hope so, because they are beautiful. It's pink perfection. Oh, you know, it's what's funny. That was my great grandmother's favorite, and she, her pink perfection is at the corner. Of, of my great-grandparents' old house, and it blooms just about every year. But I'm from the Delta, 100 miles north of Jackson, and every few years we lost all of them. But she said, never mind, they'll be back. Yeah, they'll be back. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll be back. Meanwhile, meanwhile uh, you have a, you have a, a, a printer uh, with, uh, with your computer? No, I don't. Well, find somebody who does and print out a whole bunch of fist-sized uh, pink perfection flowers out there to hang them on your bush. <laughs> oh, no, 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 Good don't, deal. don't make don't make me laugh now. <laughs> it, enjoy. It'll it, it'll it'll be fine, Sandra. Okay, thank you, Phil. <laughs> okay, sorry, appreciate it. Ooh, Java, what do you think, man? Now, Felder, you picked oh. some good tributes this morning, man. Well, you know, David Crosby, you know, he passed away at uh, 81 years old, uh, I think yesterday, the day before yesterday. But that was, you know, that was, you know, got to get back to the garden. And by the way, that wasn't a Crosby, Still, Nash & Young song. Uh, that was a Joni Mitchell song. They were all real good friends, and she uh, and, and they, they performed it for her at, at Woodstock. But anyway, David Crosby, uh, this is a kind of humorous thing, Java, but you know what David Crosby looks like? Yeah, I'm familiar. (laughs) Yeah, long hair, overweight and all like that. For a long time, whenever I flew places, and I fly a lot, a lot of times I get bumped up, you know, to the front of the plane because I'm a frequent flyer. People thought I was either David Crosby or Gallagher. Because, I... <laughs> you know, I wore that flat cap. But anyway, I've outlasted both of them so far, knock on wood. But uh, anyway, I'm, I, you know, he's, he's just passing an era. Uh, you look some some old uh, hippie anthems, I guess, and uh, somehow I managed to go up and get a job and retire from the university and all that kind of stuff. So now we're just having fun. I'm putting that good feeling, uh, not rebellious, but assert yourself, be yourself type of sixty things in the garden. So Java, MPB has put me in a good spot to keep that ethos of it's all good. We can do better in the garden. That's what we're here for. So anyway. Uh, enough of that. We Cecil is it Cecil or Cecile in Greenwood? Who are we talking to? It's Cecile, the cemetery lady. Oh, oh hey, how? Oh, oh, in Greenwood, you're not in Greenwood, Mississippi. What's up, Cecile? No. <laughs> Good morning, Builder. Um, 
I just want to get on your schedule that we are pruning the roses on February the 4th. I'm writing that down right now. Greenwood Cemetery pruning. Uh, you can show folks how to how to uh, root cuttings while they're there. That's right. With the old garden society, folks will be there to show how to do it right. And I've been out there. We're we're restoring the Redmond vault, so I've been out there a lot. And the new roses that we just planted last year have new green growth on them. It's so exciting. <laughs> after all. <laughs> I bet there's some daffodils blooming too out there. Uh, have you noticed whether the paper whites made it? You know, paper whites might have gotten damaged by that freeze. Are there any paper whites still blooming? I hadn't seen any paper whites blooming, but daffodils are popping up. They had the blooms hadn't really opened yet. <laughs> but, it, 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 um, it, it, isn't that weird? Of, of all the places you can imagine, uh, the least amount of maintenance, the, the plants that are doing best are plants that dead people can grow in the cemetery. <laughs> hey, any any camellias? Did did, 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 did did all your camellias get damaged there, Jackson? Uh, no, not all of them. In fact, I have one at my house that's covered in red blooms right now. Yeah, it's so it's it's kind of it's, it's, it's close it's inside the wall, so it's um, yeah. was somewhat protected. Yeah. But the big the big uh, bushes at the cemetery are still completely green and covered in big fat buds. Well, so fingers crossed, right? Fingers crossed. So, okay, well, I got that I got that down for February the 4th, uh, pruning. Uh, you need some volunteers, but also demonstration, and people can take cuttings, and y'all will show them how to root them at February the 4th. That's right. Fantastic, That's right. lady. We'll do it. I appreciate Okay, say, say hey to husband. I will. Thanks, Felder. Hey to Susan. Okay, see okay, so, ya. Yeah. All righty. So she says that, that the camellia, uh, the camellias, the the uh, uh, daffodils, and the roses at the old cemetery downtown Jackson are still kicking. A lot of damage here and there, but there's hope all over the place, and that's what we're looking for is uh, success stories. Uh, let's go to uh, up to Western Tennessee. Skip, where are you calling from? Hello. Hello. Yeah, Skip, where are you calling from? Western Tennessee. Yes, sir. That, Good morning. Just, I had I lost service for a second. Thank you for taking my call, Ms. Felder, um, Java. Uh, I love your show. Uh, I have a, a little bit. It's not a dilemma, but it's a curiosity, and I'd like to ask your opinion. Uh, I built a home, a retirement home in Western Tennessee, uh, 12 years ago, and uh, we we zero escape. Uh, you know, our gardens are mostly wildflowers, but I did put in uh, the prerequisite 20, 20 some odd bulbs of daffodils. Yeah. Okay. And in one planting, I have rock gardens, and they're in the rock garden. Um, the I had uh, eight years, uh, about eight years of uh, you know first flowers to me of, of the season, and they were classic textbook daffodils. Um, right. The uh, white petals, uh, orange, yellow, corona. Uh, I mean, right out of you, you looked up on Wikipedia, it would show that flower. So right. I had eight seasons. I had eight seasons of the classic daffodils. Uh, three, about three years ago, it was about the, I guess, the eighth iteration of the bloom. Uh, these come up, I call them frankenflowers. Uh-oh. Yes, uh-oh. Uh, they're a mixture. Number one, we use no, no compounds, no poison, you know, no defoliants, nothing on our property. So they come up, and I had last year I sent you a picture, but apparently I had the wrong email. I'll, I'll, I'll remedy that. They yeah. look like the course between a carnation 
and a dahlia. Okay, double hair. Yeah. Um, colors purple, pinks. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful flower, and they're all exactly the same. Huh. Okay, so my question is twofold. Do you have any opinion as to what would have caused that uh, after eight bloomings? And the second question is, they're absolutely gorgeous. Can I patent them? <laughs> well, okay. Uh, second, second question first. If you cannot find any reference to anything that looks like that anywhere, you can assume that it is some sort of mutation, whether it's caused by by climate or a viral infection, which happens. Uh, you know, they, yeah, you can, you can name them, but there's no real reason to patent a plant unless you're planning on selling it. You know, in which case, you know, you really it, it's expensive. But you know, a lot of people do patent the stuff. You're better off to offer it to a bulk company, see if they're willing to to buy it from you, you know, just oh. from an economic point of view. Other than that, just just you know, come up with a, a, a name for it and uh, and just just go with that. But anyway, patent is a sure. is a legal process and it is expensive. Uh, I've been through this before. Uh, as far as what would cause it, you know, I've been growing daffodils. I was raised as a as a preteen helping a daffodil. Enthusiasts. My great grandmother had 350 different kinds. I've been growing daffodils for over 60 years. I mean, personally, and I taught. I lectured the American Daffodil Society. I, I know many of the daffodil growers uh, all over the place, and I have no earthly idea what would cause that. I can guess, but I'm not that kind of person. Do send me a good, clear picture of uh, of some, and go to fellerushing.blog. That's where you can find. You know, it, just click on email me. Give me a good, clear picture. What part of Western Tennessee are you in, anyway? Um, uh, I'm in uh, South, uh, about uh, 13 miles over the uh, Mississippi-Alabama border, right in that area. So okay, so you're not, you're, you're not really that far from Jackson, Tennessee, then. About two, yeah, about an hour and a half. Good hour and a half, sir. Okay. Well, the reason I'm saying because they have an they have an extension they have an experiment center right there right at the corner of 45 and 70 or whatever 40 whatever it is right there and uh, they got some really good sharp horticulture good friends of mine so email me the picture and I'll put you in touch with them and then they can help you uh, you know get it you know they can can grow some of their their demonstration beds to show what they how, how they in other words we can get the ball rolling on making it official that's that's an easy thing to do. It's possible that there was a, a viral infection. Virus can cause what's called sports or mutations. It's possible that, that, that the variety you got was an unstable hybrid. A lot of times when we buy daffodils, they come out of Holland, and they're not the true old-fashioned kind. They're some kind of fast production type. And it could be you got one that's an unstable hybrid, and it is reverted back to one of its old parents, maybe a, a double daffodil. You know, there's all okay. sorts of educated guesses, but, you know, with, send me a picture because I'm a daffodil, kind of a daffodil nut, I guess. you could, Yeah, I'm a, I'm a daffodil nut. And if I don't know, I got some folks who are, are the top experts on earth, and we'll find out. Oh, but, but, meanwhile, but meanwhile, it's it's yours. Be thinking about a name. I got two granddaughters, and it, it'll be a, a, a Skylayla. <laughs> okay. Skylayla. Okay. Okay, let's just hope it's a pretty daffodil like they are. I'm going to send you a few pictures, sir, and I'm, somehow I'm going to try to get you after the bloom. I'm going to take and package up some bulbs and try to get them to you. 
Okay, well, the way to do that is give them a, wait until the leaves flop over or turn yellow before you dig them. They make their flower buds for next year after they finish blooming this year. So, so, so mark the ones you like, let the leaves fall over or turn yellow before you dig them. That's the way to keep them. Otherwise, they may skip a year. It'll be two years before anybody knows anything. So just mark them, let them die down before you dig them. All right. Thank you, sir, for your input. Love your show. That's cool. Okay, so, oh, 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 wait, 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 I want to throw out, you're growing these in rock gardens, right? Yeah, they're out yep, there in rock gardens. Oh, okay, look for a variety called Tet-a-Tet, or Tete-a-Tete, T-E-T-E-A-T-E-T-E. It is a classic little small daffodil with multiple, two, two flowers per foot. It's a, it's a miniature one that grows great in rock gardens, and it multiplies and spreads. Uh, so it, it's a, a good new one to add your, to your uh, bed this next fall. More, more like a wild jocule? No, no, no. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's been around for for you know, several decades, but it's just a, it's a, it's a miniature, and the flower is about the size of your thumb and two per. Anyway, it's tete a tete. Just Google it. T e t e a t e t e. It's a great dependable spreading type for for rock gardens. Uh, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for your time, right. sir. Okay, appreciate it, man. Okay, uh, Java, let's slide uh, down a little bit to Oxford. Jesse, how are you this morning? Thank you for holding. Yes, uh, my wife, she's recently seen a thing on YouTube, and she's wanting to try a new type of gardening, or it's a roots, root spout type of gardening, and trying to find yep. more information. But the only one you got is looks like a 20-year-old video of a woman uh, showing people how to do some of her gardening. I've never yeah. really heard of root, root stout gardening. Well, first, first of all, root stout, she was in New England, and she was many, many years ago. She was sort of a pioneer in no-till gardening. It's just called no-till gardening, where you add a little stuff to your dirt, maybe cover it with some cardboard, cover it leaves, and kind of get kind of get the dirt going, and then just plant without tilling. It doesn't mean no digging. It just means you don't till it up all the time. And it's just called no-till T-I-L-L gardening. Uh, Ruth Stout, she didn't invent it. This way it's been done for centuries. She just popularized it. But it was easy because she lived in New England. It was easy up there. So uh, it basically just no-till gardening. You need to do something to, to enrich your, 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 your dirt. And there's no better way to do that than to put stuff on top of the ground that worms eat and then let the worms eat it and circulate it down deep. Their holes go down. And the air and water and roots can go down. And once they get started, plants will take it from there. You know, when you harvest a plant, just cut it off. And as the old roots die, new roots will follow their holes down. So whatever it takes to get your, your soil started nice and neat to begin with. And to me, there's no easier way to do that than to spread a bunch of chopped up tree leaves, just plain old tree leaves on top of the ground, and then scatter a little what they call cotton seed meal. It's an organic product, even though it comes from, from cotton plants. Cottonseed meal has got nitrogen, but it also has protein which beefs up your worms. And you'll go from from zero to 60 in, in one season. You'll have big, long, 10-inch long earthworms. Put leaves on top of the ground, dust with the cottonseed meal, and the worms will do the tilling for you. But that's all that is. is to get roost out, that's way, 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 way old school. She was just basically planting in leaves. This is called no-till gardening, and don't get lost in all the stupid rules. It's just feeding your worms and planting in the dirt. That's all it is. And if you want to send me an email, I've been doing this for a long time. Once you get flower beds done by adding mulch every year, 
a little cotton seed meal, worms will churn it up for you. Then next year, you just pull it back, stick stuff in the dirt, put out more mulch, and repeat itself. It just takes a, a season or two to get started is all. And worms can do your work for you. Okay. Uh, another one I was going to say is uh, I've also been to a lovely garden at the presidential home down in Bluxy. Have you ever been down there to the presidential yeah. gardens? Yeah. That's one of my best favorite places to go down there because it's a beautiful home, and then they have a nice, beautiful big garden. they got the walking trail and all. I really love it yeah. down there. Yeah, it, you know, it, it, there's, there's a whole bunch of, and there's a whole bunch up around you too. But uh, the, the main thing is, is uh, you know, get inspiration from from all sorts of places. But just understand that garden experts tend to want to fill up space with words that aren't necessary. Don't get balled up in all the you got to do this and you got to do that because that just simply isn't true. And I wrote the book. All right, thank you very much. Have a blessed weekend. Okay, just appreciate it. Good luck. All righty, folks, horticulturists fell a rushing, and I hope you enjoyed that little Leon uh, uh, Ridbone tune about dancing on daddy's shoes. And speaking of dancing, uh, I've been seeing a lot of photographs of this ancient wild daffodil called Lent Lily, L-E-N-T Lily. Uh, it's an early bloomer, kind of a short stalk, uh, but it has distinctly sweat. The, the, the flower is unlike other daffodils. It's yellow, but the, the, the petals are distinctly sweat forward, you know, sort of like it's being blown from behind. Uh, anyway, the lint lily is the official floral emblem of Wales. Uh, why does this one, why do we see this one and others spread all around, well, all over the place, uh, and you don't see others? And it's simple. The early blooming daffodils have time to make seeds before they get cut down. Regular daffodils bloom in March. We cut them down before they make seeds. But the ones that bloom early, they set seeds, and those blow around, and that's where you can see them everywhere. Anyway, while thinking of that uh, Leon uh, Redbone tune about dancing on daddy's shoes, the connection between it and the Lint Lily and Wordsworth poem about Lint Lily comes into focus. And if you don't mind, let me share just part of this wonderful uh, old uh, poem by William Wordsworth. I wondered... Lonely as a cloud that floats high o'er the vales and hills. When all at once I saw a crowd, a host of golden daffodils beside the lake, beneath the trees, fluttering and dancing in the breeze. Continuous as the stars that shine, they stretch a never-ending line. Ten thousand I saw at a glance, tossing their heads in sprightly dance. I gazed and gazed, but little thought what wealth the show to me had brought. For oft, when I'm on my couch... I lie in vacant or pensive mood that flash upon that inward eye, which is the bliss of solitude. And then my heart with pleasure fills and dances with the daffodils. How about that, Java? That was beautiful. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I, tell me the, the author again. I, I blanked out on that one. Williams, William Wordsworth. And it's just called, it's just called um, uh, Daffodils. But I love how it started. I wandered lonely as a cloud. Uh, anyway, I just want to share that because a lot of people, you know, they get depressed about the wintertime stuff without realizing we have plants that will come back every year. And it's important that we plant these because they, they remind us. And it, it, those that don't remind us, they give us hope, and then they remind us of the hope. So I think that's real important for us to do that. So anyway, don't want to get too maudlin here. we got some folks who want to yak about their gardens, and that's what we're here for, and that's what I enjoy the most. So let's slide down at the Gulf Coast to Mobile and talk with Jeremy. Hey, Jeremy, good morning. Good morning, uh, Felder. Uh, now you got me going on a whole different tangent, thinking about music <laughs> and poems. 
But now, uh, specifically, I was talking to uh, asking about because uh, I got Needlepoint Holly uh, going, yeah. going around the, the back side of the house. I get these yeah. sports of the Chinese Holly. Uh, right. is, is there a way to take them off and make them not come back? No, other than cutting them off right where they start. You know, uh, are these coming up from the ground or are they coming off the stem? No, they're coming up. They're coming up the stem. Yeah, just cut them as flush as you. You don't want to leave a wound that's three inches long, but cut them as flush as you can, uh, and that that'll dig out most of what they call the meristematic matter. That'll get most of it out. Yeah. And it'll heal over, and it may not come back. But other than that, it's just a matter of you know, just snip them off as you see them. That's all you can do. Yeah, I, and and it's, it's a it's a constant battle, really. Yeah, um, well, it's, it's, I, so, I think so, well, and so, you know, it's it's a it's a variant, so they're gonna go yeah, back hey, to whatever they came from, anyways. So. Wait, wait, wait till you get to be my age and have to constantly pluck hair out of the rim of your ears, and you'll stop <laughs> whining about your hollies. <laughs> um. So, and the last the last thing, uh, and and maybe we can uh, turn this over to Java. There is a, a wonderful piece of music. Um, it, I don't know if it's cheesy music or not, but uh, it's from Ray Fong Williams. Um, it's from the Five Mystical Songs uh, cycle that he did. I've got me flowers to strewn thy way. It's, okay, okay. It we're, is we're all beautiful. Mountain. And um, it, 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 what you were just talking about with that last poem really put that into my head and I couldn't stop singing it to myself. And I just want to say thank you. And, um, black tar or anything else to, to put on the stem once I cut it off or, or that, is it just that, basically that, just pr- keep cutting pr- it? Pr- paints are pure cosmetic. They have zero effect on plant healing or growth. Pure. Do it. If it makes somebody in your family feels better about you. Okay. Well, thank you, Felder. <laughs> um, okay, Ayla, appreciate I, that. I, I love the show, and I love calling in, and thanks for having me on. You bet. Appreciate it, man. (laughs) All right. Peace, brother. Okay, Java, did I tell him to stop whining about his his hollies? Well, you know. (laughs) I I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. But it was was in the context about, you know, know, see, you're not old enough to understand what little point when you pull a hair out of you. It's just an old man thing. Anyway, I, I, after a while, hollies aren't that big a deal when you got hair growing out of your ears. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there needs to be a Leon Redbone song about that. Now, there you go. There we go. Anyway, let's let's slide back up to Jackson talk to Elizabeth. Elizabeth, thank you for holding. How are you this morning? Good morning. I'm doing great and enjoying your show. I love that poem that you shared. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I had um, to learn it when I was I in the ninth grade. Oh, I love that, and it stuck with you. Yep. Um, yep, yep. Well, I'm taking your advice about um, about keeping the hope alive in my garden and waiting to prune until I see what happens. But I wondered if that same advice applied to succulents. I have a devil's backbone plant that was given to me probably five years ago, and I have loved it. It's about probably um, three feet tall and sits by my front door, and I thought that I had insulated it well enough to to protect it from that cold that we got, but apparently I did not. And so I wondered if the same advice was true for it. Should I leave it alone and kind of see what dies off and what doesn't? Should I go ahead and start trimming? What do you do with succulents? Yeah, well, you know, the rules are kind of different for indoor plants. You know, I, I grow a lot of succulents, and, and I also grow that plant. Devil's backbone, a lot of people, 
Uh, I've heard it called a red bird cactus because the flower looks like a little silhouette of a little red bird, a little cardinal flower. And I've been growing it for years and years and years. But if it freezes, it gets nasty. It tur- you know, it's a tropical. Matter of fact, I have a picture of me standing beside one in Africa that's about 10 feet tall and maybe 20 feet across, big bush. Wow. Uh, but it, what, what you can do, it's got milky sap. So what I would do is I would snip on it, you know, where it's, where it's mushy, obviously mushy. Go ahead and cut those back and keep cutting it back until you reach uh, some area where the sap comes out milky white, kind of sticky. Okay. And it'll, qu- it'll quickly sprout back out. It'll sprout. No, but just go ahead and cut the mush. On tropical plants and things that normally hurt mushy elephant ears and cannas, it's okay to clean up the mushy stuff. But anyway, just cut it back to where you get into some of the firm stems. It's got kind of a white milky sap. Perfect. Thank you so much. All right. Oh, by the way, and I got to say this, there's some stuff I learned in college that was so stupid. It doesn't make any difference at all, but I just have to say the Latin name of Devil's Backbone. You ready for this? Yes. Pedilanthus, Pedilanthus tithemeloides. <laughs> well, I read it online, and I thought, I don't dare try to pronounce that, so I'm glad nope. that you did. <laughs> Pedilanthus tithemeloides. Okay, appreciate it. Uh, thanks for calling, Liz. Thank you. Okay, Bye-bye. now let's slide over to Pearl now. Alan, how are you this morning? Hey, Mr. Thel. Um, thank you all for taking my call again. Sure. Heck I, mean, yeah. I always have a question every week, but that's because I enjoy y'all's show. Well, appreciate you being um, part of it. Yes, sir. Um, I'm going back probably 50 years. And by the way, I also have a hair problem in my ear, too. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, at my grandmother's old place, there was two plum trees that, um, and I never grew in, growing up around all those house places, the old place, I never saw these kind of plum trees anywhere else but my grandmother's. And these things were almost as big as golf balls. Huh. They, w- they weren't the size of the trees that we grew up with on the side of the road, the little thong. Right, right. So I, what kind of plum trees were these? And, and when they got ripe, they turned yellow, and they were they were delicious. Okay, you give me some clues, and I can't remember because when I studied fruit science at Mississippi State, we had to compare and contrast all these different kinds of each type of fruit, and I can't remember which ones turned yellow. That would have been uh, uh, what we would call an antique now. Uh, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, there were not as many varieties that were sold commonly, uh, you know, things like Santa Rosa, uh, Methley, you know, these kind of plums. They've been grown for uh, 100 years maybe, uh, you know, in, in Mississippi. So I, I don't know. I would have to look that one up. But if it's big and it turned yellow, it would only take me a few minutes to, to figure that out. So if you either stay tuned next week or shoot me an email, I'll figure out what kind of plums were most likely grown half a century ago that were big and turned yellow when they're ripe. That, that's an easy one because I have sites that, that list heirloom fruit plants. With pictures and all, so I, I can look that right. one. And and I'm curious yeah. myself. I bet you you don't remember that some of those had worms in them because you're too young to really care. Well, you ate the worms too as a kid. <laughs> I mean, you know, the plums, the plums, the plums were so um, good. I mean, you just ate them, ate everything. This, so <laughs> this, this, we we were too hungry to be vegans, right? When it came to eating plums, you had to eat them once. That's right. <laughs> That's anyway, right. I'll be glad to find. I'll be glad, and there's a good chance that it's still available commercially. So I'll see what I come up with. Right. All right. Well, once again, now one other question, and um, yeah, 
my daughter, well, they have a fig tree, and if I cut, if I suggest that they may need to cut this back because, you know, the shape and all, when would be a good time and how far down would could they cut that back? Okay, you're talking about figs, right? Yes, or a fig tree. Okay, the, first of all, you can cut a fig to the ground and it'll sprout back out. We still get figs off my great-grandmother's fig tree that was planted before I was ever born. So, you know, you can cut them to the ground. They send suckers up. Uh, so, But if you do that, there go your figs this year. So just let you know, it doesn't matter how far back you cut it, it won't kill it. The trick is if you want figs, if you'll follow the tip of a branch where it stopped growing back in the fall and follow it back to where it started growing last spring, that was last year's growth, you need to leave at least a part of that. What sprouts off of that will have figs this year. If you cut it further back, it'll sprout back out. But it won't. Uh, it, it it just it it won't have figs. So cut the tall stuff back. Leave some of the stuff unpruned and cut it back a little bit. And then next year you can cut back what you didn't do this year. In other words, you don't have to do the whole thing at once. Okay. All right. Well, once again, thank y'all, Elder, and job. Um, love y'all show. I appreciate it. I'm, by the way, I was just looking up while we were talking. I was looking up uh, big yellow plums, and my eyes glazed over. So I'm going to have to do a little bit more research than I could while we are on the air. Well, yes, sir. Thank you, Alan, for uh, calling in and actually ending our, you know, being our last caller for the morning. How about that one, Felder? That's pretty good. I got stumped on the last one. Thanks, Java. Thanks, Alan. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it was planned that way, but it, it happens. It happens. <laughs> No, I was just online. I know you, you, you know, when we're on, on uh, air, too, a lot of times I mentioned something, somebody mentioned it, you look it up. And uh, did you by any chance get the name of that tune that that fellow mentioned? Okay, we can go back and listen to it. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and uh, go back and, and, and listen to it. This show turned into a, like a real cultural show with the poems I, and, the, and the songs. <laughs> yeah, it's just getting real maudlin there. But you know what? It's the middle of the winter. There's not a lot we can do. It's a little bit early for pruning. A lot of people are doing it now, and that's okay, but it's better to wait till February. It's way too early for summer stuff. So it's too early to even start seeds to plant in April. But, but Felder, I did things. see a um I did see a recent article, not to cut you off, a recent article about this is a good time to refreshing your um your potting soil because it kinda goes bad or yeah. it's not as good as it first was when you when you no. initially put it in the pot. Yeah, you know, when I was studying horticulture, I learned about sterilizing pots and using sterile stuff. You know, you just dump the old stuff out stir it up, add some more stuff to it, put it back in the pot. But you're right, potting soil, you know, I've got old, old potted plants. You know, my old uh, rubber tree is 50 years old. Um, and a lot of times that potting soil, de- it breaks down, it just disappears. So it's a good idea every few years to pull plants out, sort of loosen the roots up, put some fresh potting soil in there. So that's a good idea. And for people to grow stuff in the summertime in containers of tomatoes and peppers, just take the stuff out, dump it out on a tarp, Stir it up, add some fresh bark or something to it, put it back in the pot, and you're ready to go. But I'm still encouraging Java people right now to go ahead and plant some winter stuff, pansies, snapdragons, uh, things like that, kale. There's plenty of things that will give us some pretty stuff to look at for the next two, two and a half, three months. Keep your mind off uh, planting summer stuff, which I never do until April. April is when I start setting out summer stuff. And that's a long ways off, folks. But anyway, uh, we've had a lot of modeling stuff. The lady lost all of the camellias. But there are camellias out there, and they'll be back. This is just 
part of gardening. And uh, if you want a list of really good daffodils and, or good fruit-type plants or good roses to grow in Mississippi, send me an email. Go to feltherushing.blog and uh, take it from there. I do this all the time. Meanwhile, hope to see some of y'all on the Mississippi Gardening Facebook. It's a fun group. We don't make fun. We, we never get we never get nasty with each other. And if you get a chance to take a kid or just yourself to a garden center or a farmer's market, get a bag full of stuff, bring it home. Either get dirty yourself or show kids how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. It's wintertime, but here in the South, we can still garden. We can still clean stuff up, and we can look forward to spring. We'll see you all next week right here on the Gestalt Gardener. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thank you.